to have with us Eric and Darlene Rogers. They're up visiting from the uh, Midwest and uh, departed just before about seven inches of snow uh, hit Indianapolis and came up to here to New Hampshire for no snow. So um, it's good to have them here with us, and it's good to have no snow. But I would like for you to imagine this morning that you are one of Mark Cuban's top employees. Everybody know who Mark Cuban is? Billionaire, owner of the Dallas Mavericks. And you're someone that Mark knows well, and he trusts you with your responsibilities within the organization. And one day, Mark calls three of you, the top three, into a meeting and says, I've decided to travel around the world incognito. No one will know who I am. I won't spend any money except what I've set aside for this trip. I, I won't run my business affairs. I'm giving you responsibility for 63% of all my possessions and assets. And to you, I will give responsibility for 25% of all my assets. And to you, I'll give 12% of all my assets you will be responsible for. I, I don't know how long I'll be gone, but this is not a short trip. Take care of things for me while I'm gone. After the meeting, he gets up, he puts his key, keys and key cards on his desk, leaves all attachments to his possessions and assets in his office, grabs a backpack with some cash and necessities, and walks out into the sunset. What would you do? Woohoo, right? Party time. I just got control of a lot of money. Mavericks games every night. Live it up, right? The question is this. What do you think Mark would expect when he returns? How would he expect his possessions to look? Do you think he would expect them to be taken care of? Do you think that he would expect the Dallas Mavericks to be at the top of the conference rather than in the middle of the conference? Do you think that he would expect that his business should flourish and his assets should grow? You see, what did Mark do at the beginning of the story? He entered into a trust with you, right? You did not become the owner of his assets. You became a steward of his assets. Big difference, right? And although you have complete control to do with them as you wish, the fact is Mark is still the owner and stands to benefit or lose based on your use of what is ultimately his time, his talent, and his treasure. This morning we're going to look at a very similar story in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus tells the story of a man and his servants. The man who goes on a or excuse me, the story illustrates a tragedy of wasted opportunity. 
I can't help but think that after last week, we each stand on the edge of opportunity. God did a work in your heart. Perhaps you made some commitments and changes. Truth is, you have an opportunity to waste or profit those commitments spiritually. Of course, we know the man represents Christ and the servants representing professing believers given different levels of responsibility. Faithfulness is what he demands of them. The story suggests that all who are faithful will be fruitful to some degree. The fruitless person is unmasked as a hypocrite, is cast out. I'd like for you to consider with me this morning this story that Jesus tells. God has entrusted us with time, talents, and treasure. Last week we had what we just kind of deemed our heart conference. We had an opportunity to scrutinize those things. And, and now the question will be, are we going to be faithful stewards or worthless stewards? We need to ask ourselves this morning, what kind of steward am I? What kind of steward will I be? Paul Chapel, in his book, Sacred Motives, says this, With all my heart, I long to hear Christ himself say to me, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And as anyone who has ever de delegated a project to another knows, well done doesn't just refer to what we do, but also to how we do it. And there is nothing that influences how we serve God like the motives we hold for serving Him. He goes on to say, Do Christians sometimes serve with lower motivations? Yes, I know from experience. While these motives may initially seem to call forth the same outward actions as sacred motives, they cannot sustain a lifetime of spirit-filled, fruitful service. Simply put, why you do what you do will determine how long you do it and how eternally fruitful it will be. So let's look at the passage together this morning. We're going to read it in full. Matthew chapter 25 Verse 14, let's look at the parable. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he, had, then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he 
that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou hast delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And we see there both of the servants that were rewarded, that were profitable, received exactly the same reward, right? Enter thou into the joy of my Lord. I'm going to make you faithful over many things, or make you responsible over many things because of your faithfulness. So notice it's not about results so much as it is about faithfulness. Now notice verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strewed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. See, this servant saw his master in a different way. He saw him as a hard man, somebody who was a ruthless opportunist. He reaped and gathered what he had no right to claim as, as his own. And, and this lazy servant does not represent a genuine believer. It's obvious that this man had no true knowledge of his master. Understand this. There are those here this morning who may claim to be or to look like to talk like, to act like true believers. Yet we are reminded later in this chapter that there will be those who say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Listen, friend, you know in your heart what is true. Don't play the game with God. We were reminded this morning in Sunday school, we like to live behind a facade. And on this earthly plane, we can. As long as everybody sees what I want them to see, as long as they see the, the, the beautiful picture that I paint on the facade that I hide behind, then I'm okay. But beloved, there will come a day when we all stand before Christ. We all will give an accounting and the accounting will not be a discussion. The accounting will be the Lord saying, this is what's true of your life. And the only thing we will be able to do is to agree with him. No excuses. No justifications. So I encourage you this morning. Many times it's easy for us to play the game. Many times it's easy for us to think, I have plenty of time to deal with my eternity. I have plenty of time to deal with my, my, my true relationship with God. I have plenty of time to, to deal with the opportunities that God has given me to invest in this life and, and to be a good steward of what is truly His and not mine. But beloved, there's coming a day 
And we as believers will stand before Christ completely open before Him, our hearts laid out. There's coming a day, beloved, when if we are not a true believer, our eternal destination will be set. Now is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Why? Because when we meet death, what comes? Eternity, and we can't change it then. And here this servant has no clue who his master. Isn't it amazing how the world many times looks at God and calls him a hard God? How could God do this or how could God be this way? The truth is, beloved, the world doesn't know God as we as believers ought to know God. This man is simply revealing his heart. Verse 26, his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed, and not gathered where I have not strewed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money into the exchangers. And then at my coming I should have had received mine own with usury. Now the master here is not agreeing with the servant and saying, this is what I am. What he's doing is he's allowing the servant's own words to hang himself. Because if the servant really believed the master to be the kind of man he portrayed, that should be all the more reason for him to do what he ought. Let's continue. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he that hath or he that, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We find that that day is going to come. We don't know when. There will come a day when it will be revealed who the true believers are, who the true servants are. Let's look at this story and take it apart a little bit. First thing I want you to see this morning is the stewardship. Stewardship. We have the man and and three servants that have come, and we find this in verse 14. It says that he delivered... He delivered unto them all his goods. That word delivered means to to give the idea of turning over authority. In other words, he said, you know what? I'm going on this trip. You have all the authority to take care of all of my goods, all of my possessions. I'm giving you the authority to do it. You sign the checkbook. You make the investments. You research. You do the planting. You hire the laborers. And it's interesting in this stewardship, and it ought to be encouraging for us because if you're like me and you're not all that talented, it's nice to know that he gives according to what we see in the next word, the several abilities. It's the idea that each servant had his own unique capabilities. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that that our Lord knows us? He knows what our capabilities are. He knows knows what our talents are. He knows the gifts that he's given to us. And and beloved, in, in this life, 
He gives us talents. He gives us possessions. He gives us capabilities that we are responsible for. And he turns, in essence, the management of those things over to us. Just as he did those servants. And I ask you this morning, what, what things of stewardship has God turned over to you? What are your talents and abilities? What gifts has God given you? You know, many times people will take a talent or they'll develop an ability. God gives them a gift. Many times people just don't want to use it. They sit in the pew. I've often heard in, in the older generations, and, and I hope that you've never said this, but I've heard older generations say, well, I've paid my dues. Time for somebody else. Well, yeah, younger generation ought to be active. I agree with that. But if God has you here on this earth, he has you here for a purpose, right? I think sometimes we, we, we look at our gifts and our abilities and, 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 and we, we kind of hoard them to ourselves. Sometimes we take our gifts and abilities, our talents, and we may focus them on areas that please us personally. You know that's why God will not give me that Mustang, right? Because I may just take some of my OC tendencies and focus it on the Mustang. I already get frustrated enough with the Subaru. I mean, if I had a Mustang, it, it would probably not be good. Sometimes we, we, we take those gifts and those abilities and we focus on, on temporal things. We focus them on things that please us and we forget that there is a master who has given us those talents and those abilities. He's given us these things in life and they are not ours, they are his and we are simply stewards of what God has given us. He gives them according to our abilities and that's a wonderful thing. You know, many times believers will, will look at other believers and there will be jealousy and covetousness. Oh, man, I, I sure do wish that I could, I could do what, what they do. You know what? Maybe God didn't want you to have that talent or ability. Focus on what he's given you. Oh, boy, if only I could. No, 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 no. What has God gifted you? You see, we, we begin to look around at others and we lose sight of, of who we are in Christ. We lose sight of the fact that, that being a faithful steward and taking the things that our master has left to us and making them profitable for his glory is the fulfillment that, that, that he desires that we have as believers. And we look around and we want to be like somebody else or we get jealous because somebody else has an ability that we don't have or we covet a position they take when, beloved, our master simply expects us to be faithful stewards of what he's given us. Each servant was given finances to manage based on his capability. Now, I want you to consider this. Look at, at, at these, these finances that he had given. Look at verse 15. And one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, uh, or and to another one, 
to every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, well, I'm, oh, man, I'm that, I'm that servant that only got two or I'm that servant that only got one talent. I, I want you to understand the value of these talents. Uh, sometimes we just kind of look at, at the talents and we don't think about it, but you understand that a talent in that day was about 75 pounds of gold. Okay, today... Today, listed on the market, gold is going for $2,015 an ounce. All right, that means the servant who got one talent got $2.42 million. Does that make you feel a little bit better about your maybe not so good talents? <laughs> servant that got two got $4.84 million, and the servant that got five got $12.1 million. Do you think that these things are of value? All of your time, talent, and treasure are of value to God. And they ought to be of value to you because they are what God has given you to steward. You ought to be investing within them. These are things of value. Think about this. We, we looked into our hearts all last week. How did God speak to you? What talents and time and treasure did God speak to you about? Maybe that you were holding on for your own purposes, for your own fulfillment, for your own glory. You know, those are valuable to God. And the fact that he spoke to you about them, the fact that, that you were willing to give them back to him and to put them in their proper place means that we need to steward them properly. We have an opportunity as believers the stewardship is important, but let's look at the investment. The investment. Look at verse 16. Then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same. He made them other five talents. Notice this in verse 17. Likewise, he that received two, he also gained other two. What did they do? The Bible says that they went and traded. The idea is this, is it's to work. It's to make a living. And so they, they, they didn't just take the money and put it in the bank. We know that, that that would have probably brought some returns because the master at the end of the story tells the unprofitable servant, that's what you at least should have done is gain some interest on it. No, what these men did is they said, I am a steward of what my master has left me. I stand in his place. I'm going to invest these and use these in a way that would honor and please him, in a way that would be profitable to him, in a way that will bring glory to him when he comes and returns and sees what I have done. They went to work. And it wasn't about themselves. Consider this. Verse 19, and after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with him. And notice, and so he that received five talents came and brought other five talents. Look at what happened. Now, this is just my mind because I, I, I think about, um, just thinking about investments and, and you know, a, a good um, financial advisor ought to get you a return on your investment, right? 
You hope so. Um, and so I, I'm just going to, I, when I began to think about this, I just looked in terms of 10 years. And so here is this faithful servant, five talents. And after 10 years, he takes $12.1 million and he turns it into $24.2 million. Wouldn't you like to see 7.5, is that 7.5% return on your investments every single year? Wouldn't that be awesome? 7.5% return, annual yield. That's a great thing. Servant with two talents, 10 years, 7.2% return. He ends up with with, uh, $9.68 million. And the one talent was buried in the ground. And consider this, beloved. The talents that were given to the good servants were put to work. It took effort. They didn't waste them. Don't we live in a microwave generation? I mean, we're so used to grabbing a, a plate of food, walking over to the microwave, popping it in, and two minutes later, we're having a meal. Right? We're so used to going into Burger King, which I just found out was the dirtiest restaurant on a list of top tens. So... If you thought you were going to Burger King this morning, choose somebody else. You know, number ten was Taco Bell, so that's not as bad as number one. So, I think Wendy's was number eight. So, but we're so used to going to Burger King and getting it our way. You know, have your way at Burger King now. And we, it's like we we think that when it comes to living for God, when it comes to to taking these talents. And these, these gifts that God has given, these things that he's given us to steward, we, we think that we have to have an immediate return on them, that, that everything has to go well, that, that we don't have to put any effort in. No, beloved. We have to work. There's labor involved. There, there, there's sweat and toil involved. Sometimes there are setbacks I mean, I really did not like to look at my investments in in 2022. In 2023. In fact, I think I looked at them once and didn't open them for a year. I was so disgusted. They're setbacks, right? We find where where there are times where we think that that our, our labors, they're, they're going to look fruitful, that, that, that there's going to be a good outcome, and maybe we meet opposition, or maybe our efforts are not rewarded, at least on this earthly plane, in a way that we anticipated, and we get discouraged, and we walk away from God, and we get selfish with our talents, and you know, if, if, if this is going to happen with, with my abilities, then I'm just going to pack my, pack my toys and leave the playground and go home, right? No, it, it takes time. The master was gone a long while. Living for the Lord, beloved, takes work and effort. That's why Jesus invites us to his yoke. You remember what he said? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have you ever watched beasts of burden in a yoke? A yoke is designed for, for working together. But also within that yoke's design is that, that there, there could be a stronger ox that would be put in that yoke and maybe one that just, you know, was a little weaker and couldn't handle the burden. And you know what? As long as those two oxes or oxen work together, what would happen? The, the, the strength of that stronger ox would benefit the weakness of the ox that was yoked with him. And they could do the work and finish the job. And the truth is this, beloved, our work, many times we try to do in our own strength, in our own efforts, in our own reasoning, with our own expectations. We forget that it's not about results, but faithfulness. And what do we do? We get frustrated because we are that weaker ox and we're trying to do all the work ourselves when we need to get in the yoke with Jesus. doesn't expect us to carry the load alone, but he does expect us to put forth effort. Don't get weary in well-doing. It takes time for investments to mature and bring a return on investment. It takes time when the farmer decides to do his planting in the springtime. It takes 140 or 180 days for that corn to come, right? For the harvest to come. Remember, we are stewards. We have investments to make in this life. And it takes work. Let's look at number three, the accounting. The accounting. Verse 19. The Lord comes back and he reckons with them. In other words, he's taking an account. He's looking for a statement as to what has happened. Notice what he says to the faithful servants. Look at verse 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of my Lord. We see in this accounting to the faithful servants, he says, Good. The idea of good is, is, is the idea of a value or a fine metal. He looks at you and he says, you're the real deal. Good job. You're valuable. The word faithful means this. It, it means reliable, sure, true, bona fide. You're, you're a faithful, valuable servant. You're the real deal of a servant. I want you to notice what he says to the unprofitable servant. He calls him wicked. Verse 26, His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strewed. What do we find there? You're of no value. 
you've been worthless as a steward. You, 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 simply, you simply took what I gave you and buried it in the ground. What in the world were you doing all those years that I was gone? Now consider this, beloved. Within the par- parable, we know that this is, is represented of a professor who does not have possession. But I want you to consider this. There are those of us who, believe, who are believers who act the same way. Many times we, we take those things and we bury them in the ground. We, 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 we have no regard for the gifts and talents, the abilities that God has given us, and we just live this life. What are we doing? It's amazing how the older you get, you begin to look back and evaluate more and more. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you're coming to the place where you're looking at it. Maybe you're just at the place where you're looking ahead and not even thinking about what stewarding this life can mean. But boy, we can look back and we begin to say, man, I wish, or I should have, or I could have. I mean, I remember when I was five years old, if I looked at somebody my age, I thought they were ready for the nursing home. I would watch my, my dad who you know, was in his, in his mid-20s talking to his, his elderly aunts and uncles who were probably at that time maybe 50. And I'm just like looking and I'm like, my, my dad's talking to these old people, right? But now you get to that point in life and you go, where did the time go? Listen, parents. I can, I can remember when Drew was born and it just seemed like it would be it would be forever that he would be in our home. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Now, maybe on the nights that he wouldn't go to sleep and was crying, but, but no, I, it just seemed like it would be forever. And then I remember he, he hit junior high and it, it was just like that and he was gone. To college. The same way with Paige. And now Paige is getting married. Giving Drew competition. We don't have grandkids yet. But it went so fast. It went so fast. Beloved, we we look at burying our talent, our treasure in the ground, and we look at living life. For us, we don't consider the things that we do, why we do them, why we're living the way we are. We we don't consider that we have a master who one day we're going to answer to and we get to the point where we're hitting 50, 60, 70 years old and we find ourselves saying, what happened to life? Scary place to be. An awful thing to look back and say that I lived a life of no value. He also called him slothful, lazy, idle, burdensome. I was gone all this time and you didn't do anything. What were you doing? You're a worthless servant. You're lazy. You're no value. 
You didn't hear the faithful servant saying, well, I'm too tired. Or the market's bad. Or this was a horrible planting season. Why, why try so hard next year? The question is this, what hardship or excuse will it be that detours you from your opportunities afforded you this past week? What hardship or difficulty will it be that detours you from investing your opportunities, your time, your talent, your treasures for the Lord? Remember, the accounting is a statement, not a discussion or argument. Listen, you're not going to be justified standing there before the Lord and saying, well, Lord, I just didn't feel like coming to church. Lord, I I just didn't feel like using the gifts that you've given me. I I asked you to forgive me. Can't you give me a break on this one? It's not going to work that way. Lord, I, I know I should have led my children to love and honor you better, but, but we were so busy and their sports schedule just got out of control. Can't you cut me some slack on not having my family devotions? Can't you, can't you cut me some slack on not bringing them to Sunday school? Or Lord, I, I know you, you gave me this burden or gift, but I had other things that I wanted to commit to rather than use my gift or pursue my burden for you. See, accounting is going to be a serious time. We want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want you to consider this. I've got a list of ten talents and investments for this life. How about God's glory? Why were we created? Why are we here? We are here for the glory of God. We are here to glorify God in our lives. That is our purpose. And beloved, if if you are living in any other direction other than for the glory of God, you have left your purpose and your life is out of sync. It's not going to be right. Well, you say, well, pastor, I'm in a good job. I'm making good money. I have, I'm providing for my family. My kids are happy. They, they, they're getting what... Listen, God created us for His glory. That is the guiding principle in every life investment that we make. Am I fulfilling my job? Am I doing my job for the glory of God? Am I interacting with others for the glory of God? Say, Pastor, how do I do that? Do your interactions point people to Jesus? When they see you, do they see a proper reflection of who God is? Well, we know what the reflection of God was for the unprofitable servant. Boy, he totally misrepresented God. How about a lost world? A lost world around us. We not been given a stewardship? Go ye therefore and teach all nations? Making disciples? How about our acceptance in Christ? We we spoke to that in our scripture reading this morning. Our identity, who we are, we're accepted into the beloved. 
And because of that, we're in service to the king. The word of God has to do with our relationship with him. It's a stewardship that we have. The, the, the successful servants, the faithful servants invested and pleased their master. Why? Because they knew their master. They knew what he wanted. They knew what would please him. They knew that he wanted to come and see his investments taken care of. What's your relationship with the word? That, that's an investment that we have to make in this life. How about the love of Christ? It's our influence. We've talked about the royal law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The local church, our fellowship. Listen, beloved, if you have missed Wednesday nights, you have missed understanding the importance of gathering here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, as our ability allows us to do that. Local church is important. The body is important. Why? Because it imparts life and vitality. The body imparts healing. You know what I love this past week? There are a couple of people that I observed, I saw after service. You know what I saw them doing? I saw them praying with one another. You know what they were doing? They were fellowshipping in a way that brings life and healing, vitality in Christ. They were being a conduit to Jesus. Fellowship is so important. How about the next generation? Discipleship. You know, it's important that we value the generations who are going off the scene. But you know what? Those of us who are approaching the end of life, finishing the race, we have an investment to make in new generations. Are we discipling? Are we seeing people that way? Or do we look at younger generations as, 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 as older generations do many times with a critical eye? What's wrong with those young people? I can't believe they think that way. Why do they do things that way? I, you know what? You're not investing. Reach out. Be an influence be a discipler. How about my family? That's leadership. We have to lead our families. My calling and passion. My assets. You say, oh, pastor, you're not supposed to talk about that. Well, the Bible talks about it. What do we do with our treasure? I mean, all of these things fall into the category of time, talent, and treasure. But what do we do with it? I love what Mike said about Christians going out to eat. You know, many times my, my wife and I, when we go out and um, we get a, a, a waitress and, you know, one of the things that, that commonly happens and, and waitresses, they, they love it 
when people buy alcohol. Why? Because they're spending a big bill. And that means a, what? Big tip, right? And I've seen it before on waitresses' faces when they're disappointed and we go, well, I'll have water. <laughs> and so you know what I do? You know what we do? We make sure the waitress gets a nice tip. Why? Because we want to know that, that we care. We're thankful for what she does for us. But you know what, beloved? How often do we treat the things of God like a waitress? We only tip when we're happy. We only put in the offering when we come to church. You know, our, our assets are God's as well. We have a responsibility. As Paul remind us of the first day of the week, we're to take into consideration all that God has given and we're to bring into his storehouse. You say, Pastor, are you getting on to me for, for giving or not giving? I have no clue who gives what. I don't want to know. I'm just telling you what the Bible says and it's part of our time, talent, and treasure. We're giving the way we should. What does Proverbs say? It says to not withhold good from somebody when it's within your ability to do it. How do we treat others? And again, I'm not saying that we go empty our bank account to all the homeless people around Rochester. <laughs> but are we doing right with our treasure? You know, sometimes our treasure, it's, it's in that 401k. It's in that retirement account. I, I, I traveled with a preacher one summer, and beloved, I kid you not, and, and I'm so thankful I saw it, and, and uh, he's, he's at home with the Lord now and, and knows better, but every time we stopped for a gas stop, and this isn't you know just once in the, in, in the day, whenever we stopped for a gas stop, he was on the phone checking his mutual accounts. Where was his treasure? Where was his heart? See, beloved, we have all of these things that God has given us to invest. Things that he spoke to your heart about this past week. So what can we learn? God's looking for servants that are true-hearted and valuable. Are we really looking, are we really concerned with God's glory and His purpose in our lives? Number two, true servants display ownership, stewardship, rather than possession. You see the difference in that? What does possession say? Mine. I've seen this happen in churches before. Pastor, I'm so mad at you. I can't believe you asked me to make changes in my Sunday school class. Whose Sunday school class is it? Pastor, boy, I, you know, that, 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 was, that, that, was, that was my favorite ministry. Pastor, I can't believe we, we, we did a brick car derby in, instead of a, a normal BBT and, and you took away my thing that I did. In, wait a second. 
Whose is it? You see, possession is all about me, but ownership and stewardship says it's God's. What did Job say? I was born naked and I'm going to go to the grave naked. He can take away my children. He can take away my riches. He can take away all that I possess. And I'm going to praise the Lord because it's all His. My dad always taught me, if you give somebody a loan, you better loan it to them with the expectation of never seeing it again. Because if God puts it in your heart and they choose not to give it back, it's his money, not yours. God will take care of it. True servants display ownership or stewardship rather than possession. How do we view the talents we've been given, the opportunities that we've been given? Ownership produces sound investments. Possession produces fear. Oh, that's my child. I can't, no way, Paige. There's no way you're going to South Africa on a mission trip. What could happen to you? She's not mine. Much as I'd like her to be. She's God's. How do you view those things? Possession produces fear and burden and buried talents. Number three, if we don't value the talents we are given, we become worthless to the cause of Christ. What a horrible thing. What a horrible thing for us to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and, and our works are brought up and, and we watch them vanish in smoke and ash. Gold, silver, and precious stone or wood, hay, and stubble. We are part of the riches of Christ's inheritance. What will we have when we stand before him? And then finally this, the investing of our talents is a result of purposed choices and investments that accumulate over time. You know what? We can't gain all of our return in one big block. And sometimes it comes as a matter of small focused contributions combined with compounding interest. You know what, Dad? If you wait until your child's a teenager to be the influence because you just can't handle little kids, I'm going to let my wife deal with the little kids. And, you know, when they, no, you, you've just lost 12 years. You've lost your influence. Comes over time, small investments. You know what? You can't say, I'm going to live for myself. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make things comfortable. And boy, when I hit retirement age, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to use my time, talents, and treasures. Listen, beloved, 40 years is a long time. And when you focus on the things that are only yours, boy, do hearts change. And you look back and say, I wasted. No, it takes work. And sometimes just small investments over time. 
You know, we, we, we don't have to. And again, you know, whether you enjoy Christian films or not, many times they, they're, they're so dramatic. And it's about this person who makes this huge impact and, and, and just like absolutely changes a life. But you know what, beloved, is, is more, is better. It, it's the Warren Jacksons of the world. You have no idea who Warren Jackson is. He was my Sunday school teacher in fifth grade. Do you know what? Warren Jackson didn't just wait until fifth grade to invest in me. You know what he was doing? Because we'd have Sunday school assembly. He was meeting other kids, the, the younger kids that were going to come up to his class one day. You know why? Because he knew the investment of time in them was going to build a relationship with them, which would allow him to influence them far more as their fifth grade teacher, which then would give him influence in their lives as they grew into teenagers and adults. And Warren Jackson was that for me. Investing our talents is a result of purposed choices. What choices will you make with the opportunities that God has given you this week to reinvest, to refocus the talents and the gifts and the abilities, the opportunities that God has given you? What purposed choices will you make to make those investments successful to the glory of God. You say, Pastor, you're making me have to think about it. Yeah, we do have to think about it. You know why? Because if we don't think about it, if we don't make purpose choices, you know what we're going to do? Nothing. We'll do nothing. And we find ourselves at the end of life looking back with regrets. I ask you this morning, what did God reveal to you in our heart conference? What's God spoken to you about this morning? We look at our life. If, if, if the master were to return, what are we investing for him? Are we living by the ultimate purpose and that is we were created for God's glory? Are we just living life? Are we working for Him and His glory? Are we taking our talents, our opportunities, whatever they may be, and burying them in the ground and just living life? May God help us to consider these things. May He help us this morning to purpose in our heart to take these things and to do right by them for God's glory. Father, we thank you for this parable, this story. Lord, it's important for us as believers. Lord, we, we, have, we, don't, we have no clue what you have planned for us this year, but, but Lord, we're looking forward to it with anticipation of what you are going to do. And Father, it is, it is left to us to have the vision, to have the, the, the missional thinking, to invest ourselves 
for your glory. So Lord, we, we pray that as we consider these things that we've laid at your feet this past week or things that you've spoken to us about this morning, Lord, we pray that we would purpose to invest for your glory. We want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so, Father, as we just take this moment in meditation before you in response to your spirit, Lord, in the quietness of this moment, may our obedience honor you and glorify you as we seek to be faithful stewards of all that you've given us.